Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Do you like decorating? Really? I, that's sh- I'm kind of shocked. There's So some yes, obviously some no. It was like a more hard no over here on this side of the room than it was over there. Um, so... We recently moved into a new house, and I think some of you have kind of known about this for a while, but um, for my wife, it was a blank slate, right? We walk into this beautiful, all-white home, and uh, it gives my, my wife an opportunity to do some decorating, right? And so I don't know if you guys are anything like my wife at all, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend my whole time talking about you, honey. I love you. Um, but... but for her, like one of the things she really enjoys to do, uh, especially around Halloween time, right, is sometimes when you go around to other people's homes, you might actually get to peek in the window or the door and see some of the choices they've made on some of the interior design of their own wonderful abodes, right? And so Nicole enjoys getting to kind of, not spy, spy is not the word, creep is probably also not the word. Observe. I think observe is a solid word, Harry. Thank you. So Nicole likes to observe other people's homes. It's not weird, friends. It's not weird at all. It is? Okay, all right. So now we, go, we move into this beautiful new home that's just a blank slate for my wife, and she's got all these ideas, right? And it's not just, it's not just the, the creeping that she does uh, on Halloween. It's also like the, that we have Pinterest, and we have Google, and we have all these stores like Ikea who set up rooms for you. So if you want to get an idea of what a, a living room should look like, Ikea, you just go to their website, and then it shows you all the different ideas they have for these rooms that include all the furniture you can buy. Uh, except you can't buy it because none of it's in stock. It's all stuck in a port somewhere. But um, so here we are in this new house, and Nicole has made some really cool choices, like where we're hanging things, uh, the fact that we have painted. It, it, I never thought this would be neat, but it really is. She painted our, um, our fireplace area, like the kind of the, the jut out that the fireplace makes, the drywall around it, painted it black. And so we've got the TV there, and when the TV's off, you don't know that it's there. It's a really cool thing. Just interesting. So Nicole makes some really cool and bold decisions, and and sometimes while I love most of my wife's ideas, I think most of them are fantastic, Nicole has a mom. Do you guys have moms? Yes, right? So we all have moms. What are moms really good at doing? Giving you their... Advice, what? Okay, all right, says a true mom. Love you unconditionally. Moms are really, really good at giving you unwanted opinions, right? I heard that somewhere. I I didn't just make that up. Unwanted opinions. And so uh, sometimes, while Nicole may not solicit those opinions, sometimes those opinions just make themselves known about how everything that Nicole did is wrong and needs to be changed, right? Maybe not everything. The chairs look good. Right? So, uh, so sometimes you have these people in your lives who want to make changes, not because change is great or change is necessary. Sometimes change just, it needs to fit us a little better, right? Do you have people in your family like that? Somebody who, like, if you gave them $20 and a paintbrush, they would change everything about your whole house because they just don't like your choices. Do you have those people? Maybe you have a family member that if you left it up to them, they might just 
your, your bedrooms might be flopped. I don't even know. Like there's all kinds of things that people can do. It can be a little, um, a little troublesome to let some opinion-driven people loose in your home, but, but in their defense, sometimes those people who want to make change just to make change, sometimes they have, sometimes they have good ideas. Sometimes their opinions might look good, not as good as yours, but they might look good also. So here's the thing. <clears throat> sometimes when Jesus would show up, things would change, right? And sometimes those changes weren't even wanted, but sometimes the changes that Jesus made, not, I'm sorry, not even sometimes, every time that Jesus made changes in somebody's life, those changes were for the better, right? It was always a vast improvement. For example, he led his disciples across the sea at one point to the area of the, the Gerasenes, right? He made some incredibly drastic changes in one man's life that affected not just him, but an entire community. When Jesus did some pretty miraculous things and when those dramatic events that kind of unfolded right after that, even when lives are changed, even when crazy things happened, some of the decisions that Jesus made impacted some people in such a way that they didn't even want it. And I know that's weird to think about, but when, when, when Jesus makes a change and some people don't want that change to happen, that's a strange situation. So the response to Jesus's visit among the, the Gerasenes leaves us with some observations about what it looks like on how people sometimes respond to Christ. As we examine the ways that people responded to that visit that Jesus took, uh, it would do us well to reevaluate ourselves and how we think that Jesus interacts with us in our daily lives, how we respond to the message of Jesus, to the person of Jesus, to, to the experiences that we've had with Jesus. How do we respond as believers? We're gonna have an opportunity today to really determine which responses describe us which ones we want to avoid. So now, just to prepare you, we have read this scripture before. So let's be clear, the canon of, of Christian literature, right? So the, the Bible is set. And there's going to be times where we go over the same scripture sometimes, right? But every time we try to go over scripture again, I want us to view it with fresh eyes and fresh ears. And so today we're going to take a different, a different view on this particular scripture. And it comes to us from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. So if you have a Bible, you can open that up now. If you're watching online, it'll be on the screen. If you're here in this place, uh, it'll also be on the screen. So feel free to take notes. Uh, otherwise, just hear the word of God today. Mark 5, 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again, not to send him out of the area. 
a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in a town in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. Now, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Scripture says, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. We've read this before, right? Anything new poke out to you in this scripture? That's just crazy to me to see the different responses, right? So I think there's basically three different groups that we're talking about. The first one would be the demon-possessed man. We get to see his reaction. We'll talk about that. The second one is we get to see the, the, the villagers, the people who lived in the nearby towns. We get to see what they did and also the people who heard about it in the Decapolis, right? So the Decapolis was a... a, a, a 10 cities, basically. It was, they were under Roman control. And uh, this man went around all 10 cities and was telling them about what Jesus did. And it says they were amazed, right? Didn't experience it, didn't know what happened, but they heard about it and it says they were amazed. What do you think of when you think of the word amazed? Anybody have any thoughts? What does it mean to be amazed? What do you think of? Is there a moment in your life where you've ever been Amazed? Awestruck, that's a good synonym, love it. Hard to believe, believe. oh yeah, that's really good. And I think that fits perfectly with hearing the story of a man who casts out demons. It's hard to believe, right? When I think of uh, being amazed, I think of like childbirth, right? Like that is an amazing thing and it just kind of takes your breath away. But if we go back to the beginning of the scripture, we see this demonic man, right? Or not demonic man, but he's demon possessed. And and when Jesus shows up in a boat, what happens? This man does what? Runs to Jesus, right? He sees Jesus and he runs to him, falls at his feet and then starts screaming at him, right? That's always a weird response when somebody screams at you and they're sitting right in front of you. That's It reminds me of Austin Powers. I have trouble controlling the volume of my voice. Anybody? No? Okay. So in this moment, this this guy who is possessed by just a ton of demons sees Jesus, recognizes who he is, and runs to him. And it's pretty clear that this man would not have known who Jesus was by looking at him, right? Because this man didn't go anywhere. He spent his entire life hanging out in the tombs. Day and night, he would cry out, and it says he would cut himself He was alone. He was clearly possessed by these demons. He was struggling with everything. 
And it says sometimes even people would show up to try to chain him. They would bind his hands and his feet, and he was so powerful that he would break the chains. He lived alone in an agony, crying out for help. But I don't know that he ever really expected somebody to come to his rescue, right? And then Jesus shows up, and the guy just runs. There's something about Jesus that he knew and he recognized. He screams at him, what do you want from me? And in that moment, there was a battle, right, between Jesus and these evil forces. And of course, Jesus is going to win, right? The conversation about casting out the demons, instead of sending us out of the area, just send us into these pigs. Strange request, right? Strange request. I didn't know that pigs could be demon-possessed. Now, I've known some dogs that I have thought have been demon-possessed at times. But here's what I want you to see in this story. First of all, I want you to recognize that no matter how broken you feel, it is absolutely okay for us to just run to Jesus. Sometimes when we're at our lowest point, sometimes we are a mess. We need to find Jesus. And sometimes in the church, it's not been, it's not been done well. We have not been good at reminding people that this is a place for broken folks to come and not those people who've whitewashed their souls, right? This poor, broken, demon-possessed man didn't wait until he had his life right to go to Jesus. In the midst of his mess, he ran to Christ, falls at his feet, and tries to figure out what's going on. If he would have waited until he had his life put together before he needed Jesus, he wouldn't really need Jesus, right? And I don't know that you can do that on your own. He needed Jesus in that moment and ran to him. Agony comes in different shapes and sizes. Clearly, when we meet this man, he's living in a cemetery, and if we saw him today, we'd probably think that he had some serious mental illness. He was lost, and he was deeply controlled by the demonic forces of Legion, and everyone else rejected him. He had nowhere else to go, and so he went and lived among the tombs. No one wanted to be around him. No one cared about him. They basically kicked him out of their community and said, sorry, we've tried, you know, by binding your hands and feet, we tried to help you. We've brought you food. You're just too far gone. Sometimes we get that way, don't we? Sometimes we have friends that we've loved and cared for or maybe family members that we have tried to help. And sometimes we just have to say, we've tried and we've failed there's going to have to be something bigger done here, right? And that's always a tough decision that we have to make. But even the state that he was in, not only could he recognize who Jesus was and the spiritual and physical healing that Jesus could bring, but he recognized that life was going to be different. And so he ran to Jesus, and in that moment, he was healed. People in spiritual agony may not be screaming in caves or hanging out in the tombs, but sometimes their spiritual pain leaves them in anguish just the same. Sometimes it's only Jesus that can make a difference. No matter what we say or what we do, might not make a whole bit of difference, but Jesus can. 
So friends, hear this. The response that we see here is that this man embraces everything that Jesus has, runs to him, hears his word, and accepts that healing. And we as people of the cross should be encouraging people to embrace Jesus now in whatever state we find them, right? Whatever state they're in spiritually, whatever state they're in physically, whatever state they're in emotionally, we are called to draw them to Jesus and let the changing power of the Holy Spirit do the work. Instead of abandoning people in their times of spiritual wilderness, we should encourage them to come with us to encounter Jesus in church, in small group, uh, in a Bible study. Let's pray for them. Any way we can, we have got to be a, a connector between them and Christ. So we can learn from this story that Jesus can make the most dramatic differences in all people's lives, even the people who need the most help. And we can see that his response was appropriate. He saw Jesus and knew who he was and begged for healing. I need something different. I have to be there. And he ran to Jesus to get changed. So if we shift and we begin to look at the people around the, the area during the time, right? So it says that the people who saw the pigs run into the hill, or sorry, run into the lake and drown, what did they do? They went and told everybody, right? The town, the villagers, everybody in the hillside, they saw what happened. They went and told everybody about it. And then as the villagers showed up, well, we have to go see these dead floating pigs in the lake and see what happened here. And when they come to the cemetery or wherever it is that they're at in this moment, and they see this man who they've known for weeks, months, years, I, I don't know, a decade or more, who has been out of his mind and he's been controlled by these evil spirits, when they see him fully clothed, because by the way, in other scriptures, uh, in, in different books of the Bible, it says that he was naked. Um, but when they see him fully clothed and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's in his right mind and he's calm and he's normal, their response isn't, oh my gosh, this man healed this demon-possessed guy. It's, hey, can you please just leave? It's such a strange response, right? So it tells you a little bit about the people that we're dealing with, right? So it's it, this, this area that, that Jesus has sailed to with his disciples and it's across the lake from them. And the understanding is these, these uh, garrisoned people are, um, they're not Jewish, right? So you can tell that because they're farming pigs, they're raising pigs. Uh, and Jewish people, that's unclean, they wouldn't do it. And so Jesus in this moment takes the unclean spirits that are in this guy, cast them into an unclean animal, and then throws them in a lake. Doesn't make them clean, just makes them dead. <laughs> but these not Jewish people who wouldn't have understood the, the, the full context of these dirty animals, they show up and they say, you have destroyed our pig farm, right? Get out of here, guy. Because they valued the lives of their livestock more than they valued the life of this demoniac, right? Even today, we struggle with valuing people's lives. Sometimes it's our money, our jobs, our vehicles, our name that tune, whatever it is, are a lot more valuable to us than other people's lives. And we have to be cautious in that. It's clear that Jesus cared for this man. Even in the broken state that he was in, 
And through Jesus' example, we should recognize that we're called to be the same. To value people's lives when they're broken and hurting and lost and alone. And it's not easy. But that's who we're called to be. People can reject Jesus and choose to live without him. It's a choice that can be made. Granted, also, when Jesus shows up, things can potentially be flip-flopped and turned upside down, right? Sometimes people just don't want to let go of what they know. I know how to raise pigs. I know how to farm. I know how to, you know, deal with, by staying away from these uh, you know, spirit-filled people. I, I don't, I just, I know what I, I know my life, Jesus. When you come in and you tell me that pigs are less valuable than a demon-possessed guy, I don't know what to do with that information. Sometimes people struggle with change, right? All my church people say amen, right? Don't mess with my pew. Don't mess with my seat. I like my coffee exactly with two creams and one sugar. Like, we know church, right? When you start messing with our stuff, we're not a fan of that. And in this moment, these guys have lost everything that they have tried so hard to have. We've lost all my pigs. I've lost my income. I see that this guy is healed. Great. What am I going to do? Jesus, just be gone, right? And the crazy thing is, Jesus goes, right? Jesus, get out of here. We don't want you here. Take your demon casting out self and go somewhere else. And so it says that Jesus goes to get in the boat and leave because Jesus isn't going to stick around where Jesus isn't wanted. Think about that for a second. Sometimes we say we love Jesus. Sometimes we say we love going to church. Sometimes we say that, you know, faith makes a difference in our lives. And then sometimes we make choices against our own faith. Sometimes we do things we know we shouldn't be doing. And in those moments, we tell Jesus, Jesus, just take a back seat. I know I shouldn't be looking at this thing. I know I shouldn't be drinking this thing. I know I shouldn't be doing these things. Jesus, take a back seat. Jesus, go away. I mean, for, for a while, come back later, but, but just in this moment, can you just turn the other way? Don't look at my life. And in those moments when we reject Jesus, Jesus goes. I had a pastor who used to say, Jesus is a gentleman. And I was very confused by that. But he said, Jesus is never going to force himself on anyone. Jesus only goes where he's invited. So as Jesus is leaving, so the man was getting into the boat and the demon possessed, or Jesus was getting in the boat and the demon possessed man begged to go with him. Scripture says, Jesus did not let him, but said, go to your hometown, to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed, Right? 
So the responses to Jesus so far are a man runs to find Jesus because he knows Jesus can change his life. The second response is, uh, you know, Jesus, can you please just, just go? Just take your stuff and go. Get in your boat and get out of here. And the third is the people are amazed at the stories they hear about this Jesus. Put yourself in a situation of that man who had just been healed. Would you want to go with Jesus? What would you want to do in that moment? Because clearly something that had impacted every single aspect of your life was gone. How would you respond? I think it's an appropriate response here. Jesus, take me with you. Because he clearly has nothing else, right? Because even if he's healed, what is he leaving behind? A reputation, right? People, aren't you that guy Weren't you the guy who? When Jesus breaks into our lives, he can change everything about us except our reputation. That goes with us, sometimes for a long time. And so we, once we encounter Jesus, have to respond in this way. Let's follow Jesus. And it's weird because Jesus says, no, 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 no. I, I've got enough people who are on our boat. Maybe, maybe one more is just too many. Why don't you instead go tell everybody else what I've done? And he does that, right? So when was the last time that Jesus did something for you and you were like, I'm going on a mission trip around the world to tell people about how Jesus did this thing for me? Anybody? Anybody? Still waiting on a hand? Anybody? anybody at all. No, we don't do that anymore, right? But that's the example we should be following. Because sometimes Jesus says, hey, come with me, keep learning, keep growing, keep you know, following me. That's great. That's wonderful. And then sometimes Jesus says, no, 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 the encounter you've had is enough. So go tell people about it. And that's what happens here. Jesus says, what I've done for you is incredible. Go tell the world. And he does. And it says he goes to the Decapolis. Again, it's 10 cities that make up this kind of huge area um, in the east of uh, Israel. And it was Roman-controlled town, so there's a lot of Gentiles in this area. He basically becomes one of the world's first missionaries for the Christian faith. It's absolutely awesome what happens in this moment through this story. And sometimes we as Christian people in the modern era, being so scientifically aware and alert and knowledgeable, we get hung up on the demon possession thing and then we just turn off, right? Sometimes we can't fully understand the whole context of our scripture, but don't let that stop you from finding the deeper truths in the story. So friends, we have a number of options, right? When it comes to following Jesus or it comes to responding to our encounters with Jesus. So what are we gonna do? Are we just gonna be amazed? Are we just gonna say, wow, that's a neat story? Or maybe, maybe we recognize what Jesus has done and it causes us to shift everything about who we are and we wanna follow him closely. That's another really good option. Or maybe the encounters we've had with Jesus have done so much for us that we can't stop from sharing with the world about how much Jesus loves us and has changed us. 
Because I promise you, the world needs to hear more of those stories. It's really, really easy for us to turn on the news and see the hurt and the pain and the divisiveness and the anger and the meanness. And really, we just need to be able to be people of hope and peace and justice and love and grace. I'm going to challenge you not to be like the people of the Gerasenes. Don't reject Jesus when Jesus comes and shows you something incredible. Even as weird as it may be, as uncomfortable as it may be, as life-changing or challenging as it may be, be open. Today, friends, embrace Jesus and follow. It's going to be difficult. It's it's not that it may be difficult. It's not that it might be difficult. It's going to be hard. And it's definitely not going to be what we expect. But following Jesus and embracing his example as our own, when we do those things, we can help bring the kingdom of God right here and right now. So let's do it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.